DJ and PK brought to you in part by Rough Tough Products. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best-fitting seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do business with a Utah company that's been around since 1976. Check them out today at roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. All right, question of the day. How do you explain that loss? How could that happen? How did the Jazz get beat? <laughs> there are a lot of theories out there. Utes for Life says, typical Utah media, overhyped the Jazz and BYU every year. They finished first with the best record in the league. And yet overhyped by the Utah media. This was a club that people thought were gonna, was going to miss the playoffs. They were predicting them to miss the playoffs going into the season. Sure that was the national. I'm not sure they were overhyped, but okay. Expectations weren't out of line. Well, you always think that the team that has the best record in the league is going to get at least to the conference finals. And then won 21 out of 22 games or 20 out of 20, whatever it was there. So I would probably disagree with that. But he, he thinks that, that's fine. Joe says, what's next for Rudy? He's obviously proved he's a great defender, but a drop step, a hook shot, something on offense besides a screen assist. And they gave up 81 points in the second half, man. Get buckets. Make them take the ball out of the net. You play better defense when you're pumped up after you score. Any of that stuff help change the momentum? They they were up twenty five in the first half at halftime. What much more? Oh, how much more momentum do you want? You want more momentum when the league goes down to fifteen, a bucket, a stop. It was a run that never stopped. Sure, they should have scored eighty two points in the second half. Kyle says, choke job. We couldn't beat the Clippers, all caps, without Kawhi. Are you freaking kidding me? I guess we weren't as good as we thought. I think that's true. I think it's embarrassing. The without Kawhi part's a huge part. That you got run off the floor after leading by 25. Without Kawhi. And if that game had another five minutes to go, you would have lost by... Another 10 points. Yeah, that's embarrassing. I don't know how else to say it. I would think they would think it's embarrassing. They may not want to say it publicly, but I think they'd have to say, this is embarrassing. That was an embarrassing game for them. And to just stand around and watch Terrence Mann and then watch Terrence Mann basically laugh at you, that really bothered me. Nick says, Jazz 2020, lose three in a row to end the playoffs. Jazz 2021, hold my beer. Let's lose four in a row and blow two 20-plus point leads without Kawhi. Well, if your theory is accurate in that Paul George had to come through and the Clippers uh, had to win, then I'm really looking forward to next year. Because right now, Doc Rivers has lost four seventh games. And he's wildly a overhyped. And bunch of gets, three, three, one, and three, two leads yeah. blown. And so there's got to be some pressure cranked up on the coach. And so you're going to have to find a way to come through too. Uh, you just can't having these 
blowing two zero leads, blowing three one leads. We can spin it, but the result is the result. And sure, I believe they would have won if they would have had their health, but they didn't. But the Clippers didn't have Kawhi Leonard for two games, and they went two and zero against you. At least the Suns friggin' beat them without Kawhi Leonard. There is that. Yeah. So that's going to look bad. If that's the, Suns the part. Win this thing, they were without Chris Paul, and you're out, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, and they still won. Yeah. The going zero and two with Kawhi Leonard out is the part that's going to stick yeah. with everybody. It's the unexplainable part. I think it's the thing that people braced for coming into the series. Hey, Kawhi Leonard's a two-time champion. Did the Jazz have anybody who really matches him? And it's two-two, and he's out. Yeah, we're gonna get Rondo. Games. Rondo had he won a title. Games. So is that what we're looking at? No. Barely played. No, I don't think that's what they're looking at. I, I think Kawhi is physically imposing. He's got the uh, he's got the resume. He's been to the mountaintop. He's done it. He's been the NBA Finals MVP. So when he went out, it looked like a huge loss, and it turned out had no impact at all. The Jazz couldn't take advantage of it at all. That's bad news. That's that embarrassing. Is horrible news. Yes. Rick says, well, it showed how ineffective Gobert is when they have good shooters and go to a small lineup. I love Gobert, but I think his days are numbered. Takes up too much money to be bounced in days the second round numbered? of the playoffs. Yeah. Here's, Rick's if, got Gobert If his days team. are numbered, that would require somebody else to take him. And if he's not that good, who's going to take him? Yeah, I think he is that good, and somebody would take him, and I don't think his days are numbered. Well, I don't know that he should have been in at the end there. It wasn't working. I don't know that he shouldn't have been in. I don't know that he should have been in. I don't have any answers. I, got, I think they were outscored by like 50 points when he was on the bench in that series going into game six. Uh-huh. So I don't know that the answer is without him or with him. It goes back to guys have got to be better at staying the ball because staying in front of the ball. You get into the scramble, and man's crushing the corner threes. If he goes out on him, it's layups and dunks. It's a, it goes back to really? people have to stay in front then of the why ball. Didn't, why didn't they do that in the other games that they lost? Why didn't who do the what? The Clippers, why didn't they Why didn't they just run by him in the games that they lost? They did. They did? Not as much, but they did. And it was partly... Then, then Ty Lue sucks yeah. because they, they <laughs> had in, time off. In the first two games, in the first two games, Ty Lue was, quote-unquote, getting outcoached by Quinn. In the last four games, Quinn was getting outcoached by Ty. That's why it's a series. Figure out the best matchups, and guys get more confidence in the right situations. And then they get the win. How do they go from 110 points a game, which all year long has been a good number for the Jazz to win if they hold a team to 110 because you got so much offensive firepower. Screen assists, dunks, three-point shots, blah, blah, blah. Donovan getting his 40. They can beat a team if they can hold them to 110. But you get to 125, and really all through the regular season, when teams got to 120, the Jazz were usually in trouble. I think they won like 30% of their games or something like that when they gave up 120 no, points. Are, you're just, my mind, when you you're get just to 125 numbers now. When you get, when you're, a, when you're on the team to 110, you can win. When you're Basketball on the team to 125. equation. It's played with heart and passion and intensity and guts. Trey Young was two for 50 and he hits two or three big buckets at the end. That's what I want. I want heart. I want passion. I want intensity. You just, the last three minutes, you just, peppered my mind with nothing but numbers. And I'm looking at ESPN through the screen to Yach, so I'm watching Aaron Rodgers throw left-handed because it's all reverse on the reflection. That Honestly, when you started going all these numbers, I checked out. I want heart. I want passion. I want ways to win. I don't want a bunch of numbers. What the hell did numbers do? 
They scored 81 points. That's your number. It's not just the 81. That was the worst half, but it was four games of shaky to bad defense. You're giving up 125 points a game, you're not going to win this So was series. it two games not of win good series. to excellent defense? It was two games of the Clippers not knowing best how to attack the Jazz. So they just need a couple of games to figure out how to attack. And then, and then Quinn, well, they figured it out. Not We really can't do a whole hell of a lot now. They figured it out. I don't think they match up well with the Clippers' small ball. No, I don't. I don't think they do. Then try something else. Clearly they didn't match up. That's as obvious as sunrises in the East. Yes, so then try something different. But to stand there and do the same thing over and over again? make any sense to me, but I don't have the basketball mind, nor do I pretend to have it. I just saw what I saw. Shane Rowe, no answer for the Clippers driving to the hoop and then kicking out the man, mostly for threes. Rudy was hurt by that hard fall, but some changes need to be made. And the Clippers took advantage of their changes. Aaron says lack of versatility. The bench should have been designed to go small when teams space the floor. Scott's got a theory. Scott, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. What have you got? Morning, guys. Um, you know, I agree with PK, number one, to start with. We just we don't have enough one-on-one defenders that can actually defend. So you think about Rudy out there, and we try and just put so much emphasis on him. But at the end of the day, just like PK said, we're leaving Terrence Mann open. We're leaving everybody to shoot wide-open three-point shots. Well, that comes down to individuality on defense to say, hey, can't rely on Rudy for every single time we get beat, we get beat on the dribble, which unfortunately was a lot. And, you know, the flip side of that on offense, you know, you could blame Quinn for not going to a smaller lineup maybe to match theirs, but at the end of the day, we don't have enough playmakers that can create their own shot. Donovan Mitchell injured. Mike Conley didn't play. Jordan Clarkson might be the only other one. <clears throat> other than that, no one can create their own shot. And the Clippers had five guys out there that could pretty much do that. All right. There it is. All right. The Thanks for the call. Brock says Mitchell has blinders on. Thinks he needs to be the hero. Terrible shot after terrible shot after oh, turnover. Man, friggin' I, I criticize. He's like the last guy, want, last guy I want. Last guy want to blame. Talk about a guy with heart. The stuff that I'm talking about, man. He just epitomized it. If through all the wreckage and all the uh, agony and all the pain and all the complaining about everything that went wrong, isn't like the silver lining to all of this that Donovan injured backed up what he did in the bubble. And he's really that guy? Uh, to me, it's not a silver lining. It's an expected facet, aspect. I, he really is that guy. I believe he is. I've been saying it now for a good while. He's not perfect. I get all that. But, man, I, t- any criticism of the Mitch man is way, way down on the list. There's lots of things to tweak on the roster and things to look at and lineups you got to match up with and yada, yada, yada. But the hardest thing to do is to get the guy. There aren't that many of them. And when's the last time they ran somebody out there who looked as much like... And you're not the guy until you do it. So we can't say he's the guy because he hasn't done it. He hasn't won the championship. Hasn't. But when's the last time they ran somebody out there that you had that much confidence in? Like, really? 
he could be the guy. Okay, I get your point. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> Probably back to the statues. Yeah, uh, he's he's something, man. He was severely limited by the ankle and still went for thirty nine points and rebounded and had assists and all that. I think he was limited in his ability to be explosive, but I don't think it was limited in his other aspects of his game, which is manifest by the number of points he scored. So I don't want to say that. Oh, he was injury. The injury had no factor, but at the same time, he still was extremely productive. So Agreed. But when you don't have that explosiveness and people aren't as scared of having you blow by, then you should it, okay. make it easier to defend. And it didn't make him easier to defend. He's still blowing your mind. It's like a pitcher who's lost some miles off his fastball. If he's still getting guys out, what difference does it make? I like the fact that he's going to be here for the next X amount of years, and I know I can count on him. That gives me great comfort as a Jazz fan. Brandon, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Okay, Brandon. What's going on? Well, I I, I got to tell you, I, I I loved watching the series. I loved the last series. I loved this series. They're exciting to watch. I kind of wondered why they didn't play a couple of those rookies that was playing towards the end of the year when they was going small ball. I guess I second-guessed that part because those uh, that young rookie that uh, guard might have been able to help where, where, uh, where what's-his-name was injured, you know? Yeah. I mean... I, I just I just look at it and, and and Donovan being hurt and barely limping, uh, you know, limping and, and giving it all he's got was amazing. I, I all I can tell you is that kid is just amazing. Yeah. And I, I think watching that other coach bring in players that hadn't been playing for weeks or months, why didn't I, I can't figure out why we didn't use our other bigs with a little more speed and that rookie let him play a little bit. Just fix it up, see what happens. All right, thanks. All right, for thanks for the call. You gotta go with that rookie. You do. You're talking about Trent Forrest? I I'm not sure to be honest with you, but that rookie is the key. You also got Doak. Well, well, he didn't play. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, Mione's not a rookie, but that's the guy who was playing during the regular season the most who could have had a bigger role in the playoffs. Well, when the guards were out, Forrest had to play. Yes. I mean, they just didn't have bodies. Right. Your starting guard line didn't play for 15 games or whatever it was. Joe wasn't going to play every minute of every game. Somebody else had to bring the ball up. So, you should have put that rookie in. Damian, good morning. What's going on, guys? Uh, you know, we're just a little down, Damien, so you're going to pick us up and tell us everything is going to be all I right. I don't believe don't that. You? I think you are going to dump on us and drive, or drive, drive us deeper into the depths, Damien. No, no. I don't know this with someone who has always seemed to be tied to the Jazz. So right now, obviously, Mike Conley no longer under contract with us, so we need a point guard. I need your guys' Review, what if Joe Ingles goes and recruits Ben Simmons over the offseason during this Australian league? (laughs) (laughs) 
what are you guys' thoughts on that? Do you think Ben Simmons would be a decent point guard for us, or do you think it's someone completely different who we need? I think Ben Simmons is under contract, so I don't think there'll be any recruiting there. Yeah. So do you think that we might get big this year? You know, because I love Luke Conley. I love him to death. I wish he'd come back, but I, it's not all up to us, unfortunately. It isn't. I expect, thanks for the call, uh, Simmons is under contract until 2025. So you can, I, think that, I think Conley will probably be back. I mean, he's a free agent and other things can happen. I think they'll offer him a lot of back. money. But everything is always subject to price. It's a business, yeah. right? So I'm, 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 if he goes elsewhere because somebody's paying him more money, I'm not going to sit here and say, what are you thinking, Mike? I mean, that's just the uh, right. It's a business. And so he has the right to earn as much money as he wants and make this decision. As Jerry Sloan said, Mike Conley has earned this right to be in this position. And so whatever he does and that's what he thinks best is great. But I would love to have him back at the appropriate price that maybe would allow them to improve the team in some else, uh, other places. I mean, I think this is the best place for him because he wants to try to win a title. I think with a little improvement, this team is a title contender. Maybe I'll be Charlie Brown again next spring. But that's, that's that's the way I see it now. It will put them into the luxury tax. It will cost a lot of money, a lot more money than whatever they give him because they'll have to pay the luxury tax on top of that. But I expect no, I expect call. they're probably going to do it. But easy for us to spend other people's money. Yeah, for sure. Lisa, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. I can't believe it. It's been so long. <laughs> well, that's that's a you problem, yeah, we're Lisa. Here every day. <laughs> I know. Why don't you guys call me? I've been so depressed. That's no, not really um, how it works, Lisa. Yeah, no, I know. We don't, we don't just like randomly call people and wake them up. <laughs> anyway, well, okay. So first of all, anyone who criticizes Donovan is a complete and total idiot. Must be a youth fan because <laughs> there it is. Well, he even said he goes, I can't go around and jump over, but he's still like, like you said, thirty nine points when he wasn't like the focus of the play, and you watched him. I mean, his face was just—you could tell how much pain he was in. Sure. And yet, when it when it was his time to play, he played his guts out. So. Whoever's saying that just needs to stuff it. Now, here's the second problem, I think, and it could be easily fixed. Um, and I think it's why they get there and they don't win. Okay, you ready? Yeah. They need to not have Utah in their name. Utah fans really hate mm, you. You so know that? that? I mean, Idaho just, Jazz? <laughs> yeah. Just the jazz. No, just I drop don't. the location. It's what the right. Raiders should do. They've moved around so much. Just be the Raiders. Just go with the brand. The jazz. Exactly. And just go the jazz. End of story. I mean, get rid of that loser name in the front. That's why they keep getting there and losing. <laughs> and they just, you know, and, and you have to remember that oh, I can't do it. I can't troll them about last year. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really want to, but I can't. They lost that amazing young man, and I just can't do it. So All I right. will be able to troll starting football season. Take the high but anyway, road. Anyway, let me get back. Yeah, I'm going to take the that's, high road. For that's now. what's been happening uh, here? You've been taking the high road? <laughs> no, no, no. No, that's why I haven't called about last year. Oh, okay, um, okay. I got it. Yeah. But, yeah, and I don't know. I couldn't tell 
it was, um, he's my favorite, Clarkson. Why was Clarkson not in at first to half? Is he like, does he do like Jerry Sloan where he had certain timeouts and certain people in at certain times? Yeah, that's what, a lot of, that's what a lot of NBA split? coaches do. That's, that's the deal. Oh. Well, my son texted me and he said, Quinn's being outcoached. He's being outcoached. And I wrote it back and I said, don't worry, he's no Bronco Mendenhall. <laughs> he won't make adjustments. Anyway, it's good to talk to you guys. All right, and right I, I want to tell Jazz, thanks for the ride, and, yeah. and I'm going to be there next year with him. Me too. All right, Lisa, thanks for the call. Hey. Yeah, bye. When we come back, a break from the Jazz Mayhem. We will discuss the U.S. Open with Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, who picked John Rahm to win it, and then John Rahm won it. We'll talk with him next. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You're really fired up for this uh, Yellowstone show. I am. I'm really excited. I got the red carpet event up in Park City with the writer, the producer. Kevin Costner is going to be there. Have you said thanks oh. to Austin, by the way? The guy that is running the premiere up there in Park City, yeah. he listens to our show. So he's the one that invited me. Austin kind of is the one that kind of put this together, though. At some point, you need to say Austin. Why are you wanting you. me to thank Austin? You wouldn't be going to this thing if it weren't for Austin. It's not like he delivered my child on the side of a free. Way. Why can't you say thank you? <laughs> I'm about to blow my top. No, we're getting spin the wheel. Why won't Hans thank Austin? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I would check out of the show right now, but I don't want to read another apology. Catch Hans and Scotty every day, presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. DJ PK, it is time now to talk U.S. Open Golf with Bob Casper from Real Golf Radio. Bob joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drop. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Bob, good morning. Good morning. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. John Rahm, you had the first pick. You took John Rahm. He won the tournament. Although I have to say, coming down the stretch with a bunch of uh, golfers still in the hunt there on uh, on Sunday, I did the math, and it looked like you had us even if John Rahm didn't win. <laughs> well, you know, I had uh, what I had Rahm and Shoffley and DJ. Yeah, so, they yeah. were all in the top yeah. top fifteen or so. Yeah. I was uh, I was sunk by Patrick Reed. I was four shots behind you and not going to catch you. And PK yeah. was sunk when Victor Hovland pulled out of the tournament and withdrew. That yes, he was hit him with a stand big in the eye. Yeah, stand in the eye. Gary Woodland didn't help yeah. him. Brooks Kepka almost bailed you out though. PK, he stayed yeah. in the hunt there for a while. But why did Colin Morikawa and Brooks Kepka fade along with uh, a few other guys? And why did John Rahm accelerate through the finish line with the putts at seventeen and eighteen? You know, John Rahm was interesting because um, out of the last, what, uh, I think they said six groups, so the last 12 players, um, John Rahm was the only guy that didn't shoot over par in the final nine holes. And uh, he ended up shooting two under par. Um, you know, it, it comes down to it comes down to who is able to play well enough and make some putts in some key situations. And you know, he just kept uh, he he just kept playing 
playing well, hitting the fairway, hitting the green. And um, and if he didn't hit the fairway, you know, he was able to extract it and get it on the green. And then and then it just came down to those final two putts, a 24-footer and an 18-footer uh, on the 17th and 18th holes that, that allowed him to pass up and pass by Louis Oosthuizen. So, um, you know, a U.S. Open is interesting because it stresses you out to the max as far as a player is concerned. Um, it, it requires you to hit fairways. It requires you to hit greens. Um, it requires you to navigate um, putting on on the on the on, you know on the greens. And um, John Rahm was the guy who was able to do it the best. And that's what they're trying to do at the USGA with the U.S. Open. Is they're trying to identify the best um, player of the week, and he becomes the champion. And that's what's John Rahm. So as far as his place in the game, where does Rom go from here? Well, you know, that's, that's up to him. Uh, he just won his first major. He's won, uh, he won a, um, uh, a playoff event last fall against Dustin Johnson. Um, and he's, you know, he's won almost, what, about 10 times now. And his first win was in 2017. So we're looking in, in – uh, you know, in just a, a short period of time, he's uh, he's really kind of pushed the envelope and getting getting up to about ten wins, and now he has a major. And you know, I think he's a guy that can probably get to twenty wins, which is kind of the benchmark now. That's when beca- you when you become a um, a lifetime member of the tour, and you don't have to qualify any longer. You can play every event, any event that you want to play. And um, and here he is. You know, he's number three in the world starting the week. Um, I, I haven't looked to see if he got to number one, but, you know, he's right up there as one of the elite top echelon players in the game. You surprised he finally got it together or this was the time? You you picked him, so you kind of felt it was coming, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it was the time, DJ, and I, and the reason I think that is because, you know, that, that event uh, memorial was ripped away from him um, with the COVID debacle with the PGA Tour. Um, and I think he had something to prove. Um, he loves the San Diego area. It reminds him of the coast of where he lives in Spain. Um, he, he won his first PGA tour event there at, uh, Torrey Pine South. He, he, um, you know, he proposed to his wife, uh, on the same golf course. Um, and I just, I just think, um, in, in his, conversation yesterday after his round was over he said when he gets to san diego gets off the plane he breathes the air he says yep this is my spot and when you when you've got that in your mind going into the week and um and you come back to a course that you love i i just felt that he was the guy that you had to go after did anybody do anything in this tournament that surprised you um you know uh i Bryson DeChambeau shooting 44 on the back nine, that surprised me. Um, he was right there in the mix of it, had a chance to win, um, was uh, tied for the lead or maybe one shot back. And what he what he did on the back nine was crazy. Um, two bogeys, a double bogey, and a quadruple bogey on the 17th hole with, uh, with a pitch shot that uh, basically hit a hosel rocket. He shanked it and uh, made an eight on the 17th hole. So that was very surprising to me. The other surprising thing was Brooks Kepka coming down the stretch, making two bogeys on the 16th and the 18th hole. 
and um, and not. I, I mean, he was four under at the time. The 18th hole was a perfect hole for him to to have an opportunity to make a birdie, get in the clubhouse at four or five under par, and not being able to get it done. So that was also surprising to me. So they've gone to Torrey Pines twice now and ended up with two really good tournaments. Does this become oh, – yeah. I mean, they don't have a true rotation, but they kind of semi-have a rotation. Is this is this in it now? You know, I think it is. Um, it's uh, the, the tournaments that they've had there with Tiger and Rock Immediate and, and now with John Rahm, I think, like you said, have been fantastic. Um, it's all come down to the final hole and a birdie putt on the final hole – to one tie for the win, one end up winning the golf tournament, and that's what you want. You want that excitement. You want um, you want that uh, intenseness um, in, in crowning the champion in a USGA event. We talked with John Bodenhammer, who is the dir- the director of championships with the USGA this last week on the show, and uh, there's kind of been rumor going around that they're going to get away from public courses and go to the you know the elite um country clubs um and places that that are known um for uh great championships in the game and he said that's absolutely false they'll always have a public courses as parts of the game um and i think this one will be one that you're going to see uh probably in another 10 years or so um as as an open championship venue again is that more to try to make a connection with the average fan? I think it, you're exactly right, PK. Um, you know, they've done it quite a few times. They did it at Aaron Hills. They did it at Chambers Bay. They did, they've done it now at, at Torrey Pines. And I think, you know, uh, public golf courses, for people to be able to play public, you know, um, Pebble Beach is another one. For people to play public golf courses and say, hey, I played on the course where they played the U.S. Open, I, it's, it's a huge connection. And the USGA is all about promoting the game and growing the game, uh, along with other um, bodies in in the game of golf. You know, um, we want to grow this game and make it more popular. And I think by playing it on public courses, that's exactly what it's doing. So as we look ahead to the uh, British Open, is there anybody who played well in this who kind of sets the table, or the course is so different, the conditions are so different, uh, just throw everything out? Yeah, it's you know the British Open is a different is a different animal, um, especially where they're playing this year. They're playing at Royal St George's, and um, and if the golf course is like. Um, it's been in the past. This is a golf tournament and a course that requires a lot of kind of luck as far as bounces are concerned. Um, and that's kind of the way you play over there in, in Britain is, um, you require, you, you bounce the ball in. Um, and, and this one's a, this one, you'll, I don't know that you'll see a top player. Those guys will contend. But you'll see a lot of um, interesting players that win this championship, and uh, especially at this golf course. So it's not my favorite golf course on the road that they have there. Um, you know, I like you know the St Andrews and the Carnoustie's, and and those require a certain type of champion. This one is kind of an open free for all. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. What do you think the skill is, the most necessary ingredient of the skill that, re- that allows you 
or requires you to make those putts, say like 17 and 18, to walk off as a winner? You know, um, it all comes down to uh, allowing yourself to do it. it it's, golf is such a mental game that, um, that you know, a lot of times, you know, when you get in the hunt, uh, you have an opportunity to win. Um, you put a little bit more pressure on yourself to make putts because, face it, putting is where you score, and, um, and, and putting is what allows you to win a golf tournament. If you're a great ball striker, you got to be a great putter to win um, a U.S. Open championship. Um, and the other thing is being familiar or being very comfortable on the green surfaces that you're putting on. Um, that's that surface is what John Rahm has grown up on. Anybody that that has lived in California, you, we've grown up on playing on Poana greens, and that's what those greens are. Um, you understand the bumps and and how how they roll um, and all that kind of thing. Those those putts that he made were not easy putts. Um, you know, the one from 24 feet probably broke about three or four feet left to right, and he buried it right in the center. And then the one in on, on 18 probably broke about two or three feet left to right, um, and he made it right in the center. Uh, after having made the one on 17, it was very natural um, it, for him to make the one on on 18 because he had just come off, come off seeing how that ball broke and how it went in the hole. So a lot of it's visualization, but a lot of it's, it's, it's mental capacity and uh, kept his head still on both of those putts, um, stayed in his posture after he stroked the putts, didn't stand up or anything. He just moved his head and watched the ball roll down the line and it went right. Both of them went right in the center. So, it's it's basically allowing yourself to make putts in that situation and not pushing yourself to make putts. So was he the best player not to win a major? And if so, who does that uh, crown pass to? Um, you know, uh, he was. I, I think he was. Um, I'll tell you who's who's pretty close at the top of that list is probably Tony right now. Tony Finau. Best. He's a, he's the best player not to win multiple events and not to win a major. He's finished. Um, uh, he's finished top 10, you know, eight or nine times now in major championships. Um, and, a, and a few of them in the top five, but, um, the other one is Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley now has played in, um, what five, uh, us open championships. And I think he, up until last, up until just this last week, his best finish or his worst, his worst finish in, in four going into this last week was a tie for sixth. And, and he was right there again, had an opportunity again. And uh, um, so he's a guy that I, he's a guy that you'll see win a U.S. Open. He's that good of a player. Um, and he might be the guy just, you know, coming off a second at uh, the Masters. Um, he's, he's the guy, I think, that's carrying the torch for that as far as the best player not to win a major. How do you think Tony's game shapes up at the British Tony likes the British. You know, his first time he played in the British, he had a top ten. Um, this will be a this will be a good one for him. And I I think um, he, he, you know, he struggled with his game this week. Um, I I watched him from the get go, and he was missing fairways both sides. Um, he was not hitting any greens, um, and uh, and he was and he pushed himself. It was pushing himself with the putter to keep up. 
And when you're not hitting fairways or greens, you have a difficult time. So uh, I think Tony will probably work extremely hard over the next month, and he will be ready to play at the British Open, and I think it will be a good one for him. Bob, as always, we appreciate it. Good call on John Rom out of the gate, but you had yourself covered with three solid players, so you were going to win either way. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. All right. Thanks, Bob. Take care. All right, Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio here on Saturday mornings right here on the Zone Sports Network. Our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, coming up at the top of the hour. Stay with us. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Really? Pitch. Hit on the ground at third. Ashella steps on the back. Goes to second. Two. On to first. A triple play. A triple play. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. That is the Chevy Strong play of the game. Winning it with a triple play. A walk-off triple play. Know it today at 450 on the big show and win fabulous prizes. We're going to talk with Steve Cleveland coming up next, our basketball insider. What went wrong for the Jazz? What do they have to fix? We've got a long list of people, over a couple hundred people on Facebook over the weekend, coming up with their theories on what happened. Tanner says the Jazz have never figured out how to beat small ball in all of Quinn's tenure. And I think his tenure just ended. What? <laughs> You're with you on the first sentence, just, but not the second, you right? Just fired Quinn? I think Tanner did. I don't think anybody else is going to. Not anybody with real power, anyway. Uh, but the Jazz have never figured out how to beat small ball in all of Quinn's tenure. I, the switching defenses, there's uh, four of the five teams that have knocked him out have done that. So that is the hurdle. The hurdle that must be cleared. No, I, I can see some truth to that. The other stuff about him going, that, that hasn't even crossed my mind. That that would be a possibility, unless he wanted to go. Jacob says, we might as well have set up a rack in the corner and shag balls for the Clippers. I think as uh, summarizing the disgust Jazz fans feel, that is, the best, that is the best take of the morning right there. A lot of people have gone down similar lines, but I think Jacob really just boiled it down. One simple, sweet sentence. Uh, yeah, I mean, they had to eliminate that, and they couldn't get it done. I mean, even at that point, let them get layups. That's two versus three. It came down to that. Jazz says not only were the or Chad says not only were the Jazz out coached, but the Clippers exposed to glaring problems with our roster. Our guards are small, our forwards are unathletic, and can't play any defense. And Rudy's a huge liability against teams playing five out who can all shoot. Favors or even Ilyasova should have played. There's a reason Zubak didn't play much for the Clippers. The last two years have been great, but obviously didn't get us to the top of the mountain. At this point, everyone except Donovan and Rudy should be available. Well, I think everyone should be available if you can make it better. And I think everyone is available. But (laughs) you can have a garage sale. doesn't mean people are going to come buy it. And it doesn't mean it's going to make you better. Well, that's up for the management to decide. Yeah. And some sometimes you have to take chances, but that's that's the ultimate goal. Win or lose, that's the goal is always that is to find ways to make yourself better. Now it becomes more difficult. See, that's where you have to believe in what Ryan Smith is saying about this is just the beginning, and we're going to make this place a premier place, and it's going to be attractive to folks. 
because you've got to get guys who want to come here in one way or the other. Uh, so that's because that's going to be their task. Okay, so I don't expect them to be able to build through the draft the way they've done, drafting so late. People can say anything. And I'm a prime example. <laughs> okay, good point. <laughs> good point. Uh, but I got to say, I believe him. And I think the biggest reason I believe him is I think people want to play with Donovan. I think people want to play with Donovan and Mitchell in, Donovan Mitchell in a way they never really wanted to play with Stockton and Malone. You come to Utah to play with Stockton and Malone, they're going to have the ball all the time. Are there shots for you? And people get paid off their stats. So I think it was always an issue. With Donovan and Rudy, Rudy doesn't have to have the ball all the time. And Donovan will pass it. And guys also, some guys just have a charisma and other people don't. And I don't know why that is, but it seems clear that it is. And the way people come over to him after games and the way Paul George, I mean, you couldn't hear Paul George, but you knew what Paul George was saying to him. And Paul George seemed to be talking to him earnestly for a long time. And we've seen that reaction from a lot of other players in the NBA with Donovan. Yeah, that only happens because of his age, though. He's a young guy, and they're the old guy, and yeah. they feel like they got to pass it on. Yeah, everybody wants So that. is an old guy going to want to play with him? An older guy. I mean, old, 31. You're still elite. I believe players are going to want to yeah. play here. I, I, I'm surprised you say that, because it seemed like last week you were saying uh, you had some doubts about it. I, I do. I do have doubts. I, I don't. mean, there's, there's pluses and minuses that go each way, and ultimately there are players who are going to pass, and then can you get players who do, and I think one of the big draws is I think guys like Donovan, and I think somebody's going to want to play with him. Fine. I think there's a bunch of great, great draws. I think that it's stable. Uh, they'll pay you. Uh, committed to winning. I mean, fans love you to death. And so you can have all these things. Whatever you want in this league, you can get it right here. And people are going to take them up on it. I, I really believe it. Over the next, we're a long way to go here because Ryan Smith is just a couple of months basically into it. Obviously, he's longer than that, but. Um, yeah, and even finish his first year. So uh, you've got to allow this thing to develop a little bit. It's a new day. And they've got some ideas about ways to go about making this competitive and continue to make it competitive. Uh, because as empty as it felt last night or last Friday night, and I get it, I, I, I understand. And I, as I, empty as it felt Saturday and yeah. as empty as it felt Sunday. I, I don't personally feel that, but I understand the fan. The whole playoff yeah. letdown. I, I, I guess, yeah. especially this year. But when, as empty as it felt, then what? I think that this is just the start, as he's been saying. This, and literally, it is just the start for him. He hasn't even had an offseason. One. He hadn't won <laughs> no. yet. No. Where they can this, go this about improving the roster. So you're dealing from a position of great strength, not a weakness. This is not a team that has... Uh, well, if we fill this hole, what about this this hole, this hole, this hole, and that hole? You know what I mean? There's all sorts of holes all over the place. There's no reason for you to think that as a fan. Uh, to me, if you're a fan of this team, and most of our listeners are, obviously, they should feel the most sense of optimism that they've felt in a long time. Maybe, you know, with the statues coming back that next year, and then and, and they got to the final then, but Jordan was there, and and we know how all that played out. And so you should have felt it then, and I believe you should feel the same level now because I think this guy's just going to – he didn't come here to own this team to just own it. 
He came here to have it win, and he's going to be involved in doing these things. And, you know, I don't want to overstate the the influence of Dwayne Wade, but Dwayne seems to be all over it himself, and he wants to put himself out there. And I, I think all those notions that have been out there, I think they're going to chip away. Dwayne Wade, the most impact he'll have will be in the next, what, five to seven years? While the player is still recent, or maybe maybe a little more than that, because he's Dwayne Wade, though. Right, exactly. And so the guys who remember him, Kevin Herter, who lit it up for Atlanta in that game seven, he wears a number three because of Dwayne Wade. Exactly. <laughs> Dwayne Wade was his hero growing up. And you look at when Wade won titles, you're like, well, of course he was. And you do the math with Herter's age, and you know he's in elementary, junior high school. Wade's the guy. That's the great thing about uh, basketball. It could be like golf. The legends of the game, depending on what they want, if they want to go live up in Spokane and and not get the vaccine, they're free to do that. Uh, But if they want to be out there, they can do that too. This is the equivalent. Wade buying a a little share of the Jazz is the equivalent of Jack hosting a tournament in Ohio. Yeah, and Jack is always out there. You know, he never mm-hmm. he stopped playing, but he never went away. Right. And because because they see your face in be- basketball, there's so few guys, and we we everyone. Dwayne Wade can walk down any street in any place, probably in the world, and most people are going to know who he is. Yeah. He's not wearing a helmet, or he's not baseball with a cap. I mean, yeah. They're so. And he's not five eleven, blending into a crowd. There you go, too. Yeah. yeah. All right, DJ and PK, Steve Cleveland. We will see what he saw and what he thinks the Jazz need to fix in the offseason. We'll do that next. Zero res. When you get the carpets and tile cleaned, it's never just clean. It's zero res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve zero res. Schedule zero res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for zero res carpet cleaning.